Welcome to the Wander Learn Show. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I will be talking with Johnny Ward regarding growing up in Northern Ireland. What are some of the lessons that we can learn from his experience there? It's going to be a brief episode about that. And then in the second half of the episode, you're going to get an audio update from him regarding Mount Everest, where he's at right now. I incorrectly stated last episode that he would be not going to Camp 3. He's actually going to Camp 1, 2, and then tagging Camp 3, having a little snack up there, and then working his way back to base camp tomorrow, if all goes well. So that's the plan, and you'll hear his exclusive update on how things are going on Mount Everest. It's fascinating. you got to listen to it. And now let's turn to Johnny Ward talking about Northern Ireland. And of course, I forgot to mention that you should like and subscribe to this video and podcast and share it with your friends. Go to francestapon.com to learn more. Thanks. Northern Ireland is where you grew up. Yeah. Uh, you were born in Galway. Yeah. Near the Aran Islands, I suppose. Oh, good research, sure. man. You grew up probably at the tail end of some of the violence that was going on, the yep. terrorism that was going on, the IRA, IRA and all that stuff. And then you went ahead and traveled to every country in the world. And you probably along the way undoubtedly saw many conflicts that were kind of reminded you mm. of the Ireland-UK conflict. What did you kind of learn from what did the Irish get right, if anything, or you know, the British in that whole situation? Mm. And what what do you find is like the key thing that a country that has a conflict? Let's just take Ukraine and Russia, for example, yeah. or any of these any of these conflicted places. There's so many dozens in the world. That, that that we could learn from your Ireland upbringing? So, very briefly for people, because a lot of people don't know what happened in Northern Ireland. So, obviously, Ireland used to be one country. The UK colonized it. There was pushback from Ireland, obviously. And then, in the end, there was a rough truce about 100 years ago where, where the UK government said, all right, you can have ha the bottom half, but you will keep the top half. Do you accept that? And then they accepted it. And that's how Northern Ireland is now still part of the UK, whereas Republic of Ireland is its independent nation. Anyway, and I was born in the South and grew up in the North. And then on a religious basis, which is where all the trouble started, was that Ireland historically has been Catholic and the UK historically has been Protestant. So all, all under the Christian denomination, but um, different branches. So in the North and Northern Ireland, then that was roughly 50-50 Protestant Catholic, where the Protestants all came from the UK originally. When the, mm. when the Brits colonized, they moved load of Protestants to the north mm -hmm. and the original Irish people were Catholics in the north mm -hmm. so then the Protestants were wealthier and had all the political rights and the, and the, the Catholics were downtrodden oppressed mm -hmm. anyway so then the IRA was representing the Catholics trying to push back against um, Protestants in the north and that's still going on to this day although a lot less violence now and then there was a period from let's say the late 50s until the late 90s called the Troubles known as the Troubles and that was Protestants versus Catholics killing each other actually just thousands of dead and then when I see things like in Ukraine people are like oh I can't believe this is happening in Europe I'm like bro this happened in my <laughs> childhood in Europe you know what I mean right, right. But, and, and let alone Bosnia Kosovo and yeah well they used to call it the, the three B's Baghdad, Belgrade and Belfast <laughs> which now is laughable because Belfast is like a cool place people go and right. get drunk St. Patrick's Day you know what I mean right, 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 right. but it used to be pretty shitty back in the 70s, 80s and 90s and I was born in 83 so yeah absolutely mm. you're right it was the tail end but I remember that in my town there was a bomb when I grew up like all our windows smashed mm. I remember one day I was playing sport for my high school in Oma mm. and there was a big bomb called the Oma bomb that day and, and every day growing up people walking around like with uh, military guns and mm. just used to it and when I was like 
like 10 or something I went to visit some family in England with my mum and I said to my mum like why is there no soldiers walking around mum that's just what you're used to you <laughs> right, know right. but now finally it's kind of cleaned up there's still a political divide in terms of Protestant schools Catholic schools Protestant sports Catholic sports but they're not killing each other why not uh, education I guess immigration actually was a weird one too because back the last, so I'm 38 now so the first I left Ireland when I was 18 but those first 20 years growing up it was a very homogenous society like I only had ever seen a handful of black people in my life like Ireland was just white basically white Irish mm -hmm. um, and white British and then people I guess the tribalism of, of humanity we found our own little tribes well, I'm Protestant you're Catholic da, da, da. So, uh, and then when immigration became more widespread with the EU as well both initial influx of Eastern Europeans the EU meant that everyone from every European country could live in each other country but that basically meant poorer countries came to wealthier countries and Ireland was quite wealthy so then we had loads of Polish and, and Latvians and Lithuanians moved to Ireland mm -hmm. and then I guess that kind of opened people's eyes that they were like oh okay and there's another there's another religion and there's other races and there's other uh, languages there's a funny quote growing up that was a famous thing in Northern Ireland that um, the first wave of, of immigration and there was a Muslim who came to, to um, Belfast and he was praying mm -hmm. and uh, a Protestant guy comes up to him and says like what are you doing down there in the ground he's like I'm praying to Allah he's like what does that mean he's like I'm a Muslim he's like I know I don't care about that are you a Protestant Muslim or are you a Catholic Muslim <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like immigration actually kind of helped because it made people aware of like we were living in this little closed minded world mm. um, and you had more, more in common than you didn't realise yeah ah, that's a better way to say it yes so the Protestants of Ireland and the Catholics of Ireland had actually far more in common than, than the people <laughs> coming into the country yeah that's actually really interesting um, yeah, but it's still it's, it's a frosty piece. You know what I mean? People still don't integrate as well. But but do they intermarry? They it's wrong to say they don't. But ninety five percent of marriages or more probably probably ninety eight percent of marriages would be within the Catholic faith or within the Protestant faith. It kind of reminds me of Mauritania, the country that we're in right now. You'll ask Mauritanians, "Are you guys racist?" And it's like, "Absolutely not." You know, no, no. There's there's no racism. It's like, okay, so do because Mauritanian for those who don't know is is uh, not half half but it, there's a lot there's a lot of blacks and a lot of uh, arabic yeah, looking yeah. tan colored people and i say well do you guys intermarry I'm like no almost never <laughs> and also i i studied my master's degree in malaysia and malaysia is often lauded as a country that's been great for multiculturalism and for people who don't know malaysia is roughly a third chinese malay so chinese looking people malaysian yeah. indian malaysians so fully indian and um uh, indigenous Malays and indigenous Malays yeah who are Muslim Malaysians right. and it's roughly a third 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 and they're always shown as a country that look how well these guys have integrated right. and the chances of them intermarrying are right. zero <laughs> even hanging out and even hanging out well yeah anyway so yeah right. we're tribal at the end of the day whether we like mm -hmm. it or not and, and even countries that are promoted as being multicultural they right. still live in their own little pockets which is interesting because you're you're married to a Thai woman yeah and I'm married to an African so we are actually we're, we did we're intermarry. Trying to break, we're trying to break the cycle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, Francis. How you doing? Johnny here. I'm in base camp. Uh, last day of internet, actually. I'm heading up through the Kumbu Icefall tonight at midnight. Um, and then going to camp one, up to camp two. And then we'll head up to camp three just to target for the altitude training at 7,500 meters or something. And then back down to camp two and one, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we'll be away for about a week and I'll be offline for about a week. Um, good for the soul. <laughs> uh, I've been at base camp for about a week now and it's kind of been okay. Um, 
the operator that I'm climbing with is called Furtenback Adventures, and they're basically the best in the business. They're a bit more expensive, but with that, you get to be comfortable at base camp, proper food. You get your own tent. Um, there's a lounge tent with a TV, even even a real coffee machine. So, uh, like Everest is hard enough. That's basically the, the the idea is that Everest is so brutal, and obviously the risk of dying and the altitude and everything is kind of terrifying. So, as comfortable as you can be at base camp to recover and try to stay healthy, it gives you a higher chance of succeeding. So, for me, that was it's definitely better to maybe wait another year and and, and afford to go with a better operator i see these guys and like clambering into their little walmart tents and i just feel so sorry for them in the freezing cold at minus 20 last night um and i normally over my mountaineering history i've been going with the cheapest operators obviously to save money and every time i was at base camp i'd be like slumming it and watching people in their comfortable tents and on other mountains when you're you don't die it's kind of okay of course like you just suffer a bit for a few weeks in your expedition but ultimately hopefully you'll reach a summit and the outcome's the same but with everest with the risk and and obviously the expense i think it's better just to make sure that you're with the best team you can be with and hopefully you'll only have to do it once so yeah base camp's been good freezing of course and but i've managed to have a bit of internet I've still got to pay the bills, so I'm working on my laptop two or three hours a day as we're acclimatizing. <clears throat> but shit's going to get real tonight as we go through the Kumbu Icefall all night with the head torches, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, mate, nice to hear from you. Um, I'll, Like I say, I'll be offline for a week, so maybe I'll send you another message if I can when I get back online after we come down from this rotation. All the best, mate. Good luck. Bye-bye. And that ends this episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.